keep peace. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Wag the Dog FM. This week, we're going to talk about newsrooms. You know, those places where you put your press releases? Well, recent surveys and research done by Sally Falco, my guest for this week, shows that we're not doing a good job. In fact, we haven't been doing a good job for the last five years. So I really wanted to take this topic again and uh, and, and bring it forward uh, in a good discussion with Sally. Sally has been, done, uh, has been doing research on this topic for the last five years. He's a very uh, respected member of the public relations community. And it was already much too long that we said we need to talk to each other about this. We need to talk. It's been going on for years. And so I decided to really go for it. Invite her on the show. And in the next uh, 40 minutes again, I think we'll be discussing the findings of our latest report, how newsrooms should be set up, how you should not publish your press releases in PDF format, how you should use video and all these nice things. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Oh, wait, almost forgot. Uh, you really have to listen to the uh, till the end of the show because uh, I have a special for you. In fact, Sally had a special for you. And I'll announce that at the end of, uh, of this episode, um, it's a $500 value and you don't want to miss it. Okay, so here we go. Now, for real. Sally, welcome on the uh, Wag the Dog FM uh, episode here. We'll be talking about uh, newsrooms. Welcome on the show. Fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, finally we talk. We've been discussing about this for what? For ages, I think. <laughs> A very long time, yes. <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm very glad we do this finally. Uh, Sally, your, this is your specialty. I've, I've known you for this for, for years now, following you online. And and it's all about you know press feed what you're doing, but but it's it's the research that you do about online newsrooms, and it's it's one of those things that I've been so interested in from the beginning when we started playing around with social media, when the whole thing came out. When was that? Like the social media press release and the social media social media press release uh, press room template was that in 2005 something or even earlier? I don't remember yet. No, 2005 was when we first started with the newsroom. Yeah. And 2006 was when Social Media Club was launched. So you, so you see, it's it's like what? It's ten years yeah. ago, right? I know. Yeah. When I was <laughs> when I was doing this year's uh, report, as I was writing it up, it suddenly struck me. I went, "Oh my God! It's ten years!" Yeah, it's 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 incredible. And and since then, it's one of those things. Uh, I I did a, a postcard interview with uh, Ron Shaw about Enterprise 2.0. So the internal use of social media and we were discussing like, you know, do we feel that anything has changed? We've been discussing this for years <laughs> <laughs> and I've got this, a bit of the same feeling here, but I think it is an important topic because that's, I mean, that's what your research has proven year in, year out. Journalists go online first when there's news, right? Yeah. The journalists have hundred percent embraced digital and social. And one would think that as a logical next step, PR practitioners would automatically go, oh, my God, look what the journalists are doing. Look where they are. My target has shifted. And if they're doing it, I need to do it. But for some reason, we're just not there. So your, your research that you're doing, you've just launched the, uh, I think, uh, at the end of March, the last day of March, 
You launched the two, uh, 2015 Media Trends and Online Newsrooms uh, report. I link to that in the show notes, of course. So what right. were the main, the main things that you've seen uh, for, for 2015? Well, the one that really is kind of a big problem, I think, is the fact that they're not really using visual content. There is so much evidence everywhere around us that the public wants visual content. There is such a demand for visual content. People engage more with visual content. There's stats of how more you get engagement on Facebook, on Twitter, on blogs, everywhere if you have good visuals. The media knows that this is the case. They certainly do because they watch their analytics very carefully and they know how many eyeballs they're getting, what posts are sticky, what gets more engagement. And it's every time it comes up, you know, it's when you have great visuals. So the journalists that I speak to, the thing that, that is from my viewpoint, I'm in a lucky position, is that because of doing this research, I speak to journalists and editors and bloggers a lot, all the time. And so I'm constantly tracking with what they're doing and how they're changing. And one of the things that they, they want is, I've heard from almost 100%, particularly editors that I speak to, that they won't pick up a piece of brand news without really good visuals. Because they know if they just put a little piece of text on their website, it's not going to get the kind of result that they want. So if we know this, and this is not a secret, they, they, you know, they were not waiting for Sally to do her report for this wonderful piece mm -hmm. of data to come to light. It's really like, oh, my God, everybody knows this. And yet when you look at the newsrooms, the the video galleries are just like so sad. Even the Fortune 100, it's 30%. So 30% of, of newsrooms that have good visual material? Even a video gallery of any sort, never mind what's okay. in it. Okay. <laughs> We're not talking about the quality <laughs> of what's in it. <laughs> okay. So but that's when, Fortune 100. So Those when, are the big companies. So when, when you're talking about visual content, we're talking, just to be clear, we're talking about, you know, high resolution photography that journalists can use um, for print or for online. We, uh, we're talking about video, what we used to call in my days, B-roll, which we shipped on big yeah, tapes, right? Exactly. Uh, okay. So those kind of things, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Now, there was another report that came out this week that's called the, uh, what's it called? Media Influences Report from DS Simon Productions. They do it every year. And in there, he, he interviewed 300 journalists in the last couple of months. 76% of them said they're using externally produced video. Now, that fits totally in with one of my media trends that's in my report, and that is that the newsrooms are shrinking, they're losing uh, resources, and so they are forced to look for outside content because mm -hmm. they don't have the capability to produce it themselves anymore. And that, you know, these two pieces of data work totally together. That's three, more than three quarters of all these media outlets are actually using external produced video. And then you look at the corporate newsrooms and you go, are you guys asleep at the wheel? Wow, there's a huge opportunity here for PR people, for brand content. 
but we're not doing it. And, you know, do you have any idea why not? Because at the same time, um, over the last, what, five years, producing good video or even, you know, pictures, I mean, visual content has become cheaper. Uh, I know I'm producing stuff which... Okay, it's not top of the art, what have you, but it's it's good. It, it's published. It's you know it's shared. Yeah. Um, it's not that difficult anymore. Uh, is 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 it because it's a second thought? Because we still focus on this press release kind of thing, or what do you think? Is is do you have any feedback from PR practitioners then? I think there is still a hangover from the past that this is not easy to do. I think that there's an education step that has to kind of come into play here. We do a lot of visual content training for PR teams, and it's always a kind of like, oh, wow, this is actually not that hard. Mm -hmm. I can do this. But it's a little bit of a barrier for them to get over that. They think it's difficult because you must understand that PR people in their training – Until very recently, there has been no call for visual, really. If I needed a video, I would call my video team. If I needed a photographer, I would have a photographer who would come. I was never expected to do this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we would outsource it. Yeah. Yeah, and we are not trained. Even now, In I would say, and I'm just taking a broad guess here, but it's an educated guess that about 90% of the students that are studying PR in the U.S. now, I don't know about Europe, they are not being taught visual skills. They're also not being taught analytics, by the way. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we think, uh, you and I, um, because I know we're on the same line on this, uh, think are so crucial that it's not being thought. And um, I can confirm in Europe, I'm teaching at a couple of schools and universities, Um, yes, they will have a course on maybe, you know, a bit of video training, what have you. But even then, uh, they are not being trained as a public relations uh, person or, or future PR professional. They are not being trained on the whole multimedia aspect. They, you know, it's 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 really very much either focused on producing text and what have you, or otherwise it's going the whole way. Uh, on the other hand, at least in Europe, which is, uh, you know, research, which is like, let's create communication science, scientific uh, kind of studies, which which yeah. is okay, it's very nice, but we don't have room for 500 uh, communication <laughs> scientists in Europe. Uh, we need PR people who can do stuff. So uh, that is true. It's it's exactly the same here. Um, yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because the technology is there. I mean... Uh, yeah. When I'm when I'm teaching a course and and sometimes some students will ask, well, you know, how do you do your podcast or how do you do this? And I'm saying, well, I've got a, I've got an iPhone, I've got a smartphone. That's all right. I need. Now right. this podcast is, you know, I've got a nice microphone in front of me, but it's a Mac, it's a microphone. That's it. If I want to do video, I use my iPhone. I put a mic on there to get you know the good sound, but the the, the quality of images there. Uh, yeah. I've got a little tripod. I put it in there. I mean, it's not like it's I still remember the time when I had a camera crew following me to do, <laughs> you know, to right. create some nice video, uh, but but that is over. So there is really no excuse. What are other things that you've seen in in your research apart from the the you know the visual aspect? Well, just one more thing on the visual aspect yeah, sure. is is the embed codes. Mm. 
because journalists are under so much pressure and because this is such an easy way to share visuals, particularly video, getting close to 90% of them are asking that you give them the embed code. Yes, they could find it if they knew where to look, if they were tech savvy, if they could be bothered. Yeah, they could go track down your video on YouTube and do three, four clicks and find the embed code. Why would you make them do that? Yeah. Just give it to them. Now, look at the figures. 9% in the Fortune 100 use embed codes. 5% in the Fortune 500. 3% in the Inc. 500. That is like such a big opportunity. It's like the Grand Canyon, man. It's just like, oh, you're just going to take a dive off here and not do anything. Wow. And that is really impressive. I mean, that is crazy because I – Again, when I started this podcast, I've got a nice platform to put it on there. And it, it, I just have to click on, you know, provide embed code or do not provide embed code. Of course, oh. I clicked provide embed code. I want this this podcast to go very broadly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I want people to take it over and put it on their website. I've got yeah. no issue with that. And I would assume if you're in, in one of those companies, you would want your video or whatever you're producing to go on other platforms. And here in this case, while it's while it's so easy, while it's almost incorporated, I mean, in any kind of, uh, let's say, state-of-the-art um, content management system, it will provide you with an embed code automatically in there. So you just yeah. have to think it like, yes, please share this. And people please don't do this. it. People don't do it. So if you're looking at all the stats together, 76% of media people are saying we will use an outside video. We need video. Almost 100% of the editors are telling me, if you don't give me visuals and video, I'm not going to use your your press release. But what we want when you give it to us is we want you to give us the embed code so it's quick and easy for us to do this. So, I mean, they have a huge sign-up on the side of the freeway saying, send me your video. Please send me your video. And we're driving past going, that's interesting. And we just keep driving. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Another trend I think you uh, highlighted is the uh, the use of uh, analytics and data. Yeah, totally. It's hard for me to know who has analytics on their newsroom because it'll be in the back end. Mm-hmm. But I do know from uh, interviewing people, talking to people, going to conferences, which I do all the time, and just finding out from PR people what they're doing. Whenever I'm at a conference, I will like ask the room, how many of you are using this? How many of you are doing that? And we see by a show of hands. So, And it is a big lack. PR people are not trained in stats and measurement. You know, it's been an issue in PR for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We have had the Barcelona principles, which are really finally, thank goodness, said, stop using AVEs. They are not valid. But we still get people doing it. Oh, Sally, I can tell you. I mean, if I, I'm, I'm, you know, I will, I'll, I'll do that, and I'll report on this, on this podcast show, and I'll send you an email in June. I've got a conference of the European Association of Communication Directors. It's a top, is the creme de la creme, like we say here, of the European public relations in-house people, right. senior people. I'll ask the question in one of my sessions. Who knows about the Barcelona principles? And I can tell you right now. And I'll again, it's a promise I make you. I'll I'll tell you how it went. But on hundred people, 
if I get 10 hands, yeah. that would be great. Exactly. I was invited to speak to a closed group that met here in LA like maybe six months ago. And it was also that, that kind of, you know, really maybe from not even the Fortune 100, maybe the Fortune 20. Mm-hmm. And their PR people, and they were global. There were people from London and Europe there. And the reason they, they hired me to come and speak to them all was to help them understand analytics in PR. And I, I sat there and I was like, really? You're not doing this at all? Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it, it it is, and I can confirm it. And again, I'll I'll ask the question in June when we have our conference. <laughs> right. It's uh, it's yeah, I I mean, and and that is so crucial because when we're talking about online newsrooms, we can measure everything that's happening there. We can optimize. We can we can yeah. do keyword research. We can. I mean, there's so much potential, and we're not doing it. Is that because people don't understand it? Is it simply because we haven't learned it at school? I mean. I mean, that's a bit of a of a very you know not very strong excuse or or what what is happening? They don't understand it, and they nobody really has made a huge issue of how important this is. I don't think. I mean, I have, and you have, but you know, and and people like Katie Payne. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're kind of voices in the wilderness. It's not a general push. And it's certainly, that certainly isn't being taught to the PR students. I spoke just recently to the Public Relations Society of America Students Association here in the Western uh, United States. And there were a couple of hundred kids there. They're all graduating in a month or two. They're all going to be out looking for work. They don't know how to do visual content. They know nothing about SEO. And, and I just know that when they walk into a job interview, those are going to be the things that are going to be asked. Yeah. So we're producing all these kids that are not actually employable. You know, the thing, Sally, when I look at Europe and I translate that to Europe, I've got a student now who's working with me for three months, uh, internship, and um, she studied or she's studying and she'll finish her studies because she's very bright. She'll, She'll finish with a diploma of communication science uh, so, in fact, that's university level. So she could choose, or let's say that she has a broader scope of uh, going into any kind of communications uh, function. Uh, the thing is, I just learned her uh, two weeks ago on how to create a communications plan from A to Z. Uh-huh. She, she, she was bright enough to do online influencer mapping for me, simply because she understands what an influencer is and how to do the research. But otherwise, right. she didn't get that at school. So they're not getting this at school, uh, not, not in Europe either. And it's, it's, uh, the thing is, what I'm a bit afraid of is that when these kids go to school or to, to, to the job world, to the industrial world, is that you know, what are the chances that they get managers who don't understand even that? and wouldn't really require from their students to know that? What if they get a manager who's still focused on, you know, AVE and and all that stuff? I mean, they will not learn from those people. No, they won't. They won't. So it is a problem. I do see it as a very big problem. And I see, you know, the SEO is also 10 years old now for PR. Yeah, Yeah, it's not new. (laughs) (laughs) And 
I was thinking back to 2006 when I went to some of the big PR agencies. I was so fired up about this idea of using SEO for PR content and search engines. And, and I was just, this is amazing. Everybody must, I mean, when you tell PR people about this, they're going to be as excited as I am. They must be. And I went into my first meeting and I spoke to the heads of this big agency all sitting around the conference table and I could just see their eyes glaze over. They had no idea what I was talking about, mm -hmm. like none. And within 15 minutes, I was back downstairs on the pavement and I thought, well, that, was <laughs> that certainly didn't go very well. Yeah, yeah. And we're still in many ways, you know, I just spoke at the Google conference in San Francisco in February for, for PR news. And there were like 300 PR people there who all came to learn about SEO. It's good that they're there and it's good that they want to learn, but they know nothing. 10 years later, this is craziness. No, and that's the thing. That's the impression I have that our industry is really not a, a quick learner. I mean, I've, I've seen that happening in, in marketing or in advertising where, you know, those industries were as well under pressure and suddenly they got it and they then they're using the stuff i had a, a great presentation in belgium we have uh, two news channels which are online only mm -hmm. and uh, the editor-in-chief of one of those very famous at least in belgium online only news um, channels explained how they are you know so much focused on analytics Everything is analyzed. Everything is, they know exactly which story will fly, not fly, depending on keywords, on trending, on all these right. things. And then I'm going like, wow, this is great. Why are we not doing this? Because we're on the other hand, we're providing that oh. info. So, you know, exactly. why can't we, you know, and it's, uh, it's a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can get these kind of stats on pretty much everything now. If you have a good newsroom, you would have Google Analytics, but you have to learn to be able to read it and set up your goals and have your webmaster tools enabled. I know it's a little bit techy, and PR people go when you get technical, but it's not that dreadful. You know, you can, these are just basic things. I'm not asking you to learn to code, but even in, I use the Sendable dashboard. Mm -hmm. Now, the Sendable will tell me, which of my tweets have been clicked on the most? Which one gets the best result? Which one is being retweeted? What's the best time of day to get the best result? There are like a million little stats that help me to go, oh, look, that one, wow, that one got a lot of response and that one got a lot of response. This one got nothing. Okay. And it guides your content strategy because, as you say, the same as the, as the media are doing, you can tell what your audience is interested in. Did I lose you? No, not at all. No, okay. that's, uh, no, no, it's exactly what I'm meaning, that we can, you know, exactly the same things that they are using, we can use that on, on in our corporate newsrooms, in, as you say, in the, you know, in, in the content strategy that we want to put out there. Uh, right. and, and on the other hand, as, you know, as you've been doing for years, there are solutions. I mean, you've got PressFeed, which is, you know, your social media format newsroom that you're providing to clients. Right. Um, I mean, it, the, the technology is there. So uh, I've I've been wondering probably together with you for the last year. So what is happening? <laughs> Why is this not happening? You know, I, I, I lastly I came out at at a newsroom of a, of an organization which 
you know, still ask me to to identify myself before I could access the press releases, which is totally nuts. I mean, I don't. Why why should I identify myself? Um, press releases in PDF format. Still, I was at a conference uh, two months ago, and I spoke about that topic. I was giving a training, and I said, so I check your press room. This is a European institution, right? So this is, you know, people who need to talk to the whole of Europe in a couple of languages, and all those press releases were in, in PDF. And I would think, well, for one or the other crazy reason they're choosing for to do PDF, but the PDF wasn't even optimized to be found by Google. So it's a really, you know, something that nobody will ever discover. So it's very strange. It's, it is very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Do you another, see any, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, another area that I've heard from journalists that's becoming more and more important to them is to have an expert database in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. And it is connected again to this time crunch and lack of resources and shrinking newsrooms because we used to have veteran journalists who'd been covering a beat for 20, 30 years and had huge Rolodexes of everybody they knew, all the experts in that area. The specialists, yeah. Yeah. Now here, what we're seeing with all the layoffs, I don't know how it goes in Europe. Same thing, same thing. We We are down to less than the number of journalists we had back in the 70s. And the ones that have been laid off are mainly the older veteran, because they're the ones that are earning the most, of Mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. So they get cut. So now we have younger people, less experienced, who don't have all those contacts. So these guys are covering several beats. They don't know them in depth. And they're going to be looking for experts to quote an interview when they're doing a story. And as we well know, when a journalist is searching, they're searching in Google and they're looking on social. They are using social to find connections. So one of the things that they have said to me very clearly is an expert database on your newsroom is very important. And they want to be able to find those experts easily and they would very much like to see the bio, the headshot, and a video interview with that expert talking about his or her area of expertise so they can see how does this person look on camera. Yeah, so they Is get this, a feel. They get a feel yeah. for for the personality, for the way that these people, which, <clears throat> which we then in the corporation would call thought leaders, right? So these are our thought leaders. These are the people that we train uh, to do interviews that we give media yes. training that we uh, maybe learn how to blog on a regular basis, and so that's what they want, right? So they they and and they want to get a feel of how these people you know take on camera or you know their yeah. their, their their style of communication, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Or subject experts. Mm-hmm. If you have any kind of an institution, a university, a hospital, you're going to have a whole list of subject experts. Yeah, you're going to have the person who specializes in X, the other one in Y, and then when I'm right. writing a story, I want to, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, smaller businesses often say to me, well, I, how can I do an expert database? I'm not a research center. I'm not a nonprofit or, or whatever. I'm just, I'm just a little business that makes widgets. Well, I guarantee you there's somebody in your company that make, knows more about your widgets than the general public does. 
Yeah, and that is diff- that is the, the the thing that I've discussed in a previous podcast as well is that as organizations we often think about those people who are in management and have been media trained and are, are you know have the label of spokesperson what have you but we need to step away from that very strict idea and look at our specialists the people who do the job day in day out and not all of them will be born communicators definitely but we can train them we can help them we can you know give them some courses and and see how they and some of them are natural talents i you know yeah. I, had, I had some people i was like my god you know i don't even need to train this person just put this guy in front of a camera it works and which is great if you find those people but we need to step away from the the spokesperson aspect and the only the executives because i i do think that the guys you know, in the front row uh, doing the job day in day out are the, are the best PR people in, out there. Yeah. Could well be. Did you ever see a couple of years ago Intercontinental Hotels did a series of interviews with their concierges? Uh, that must be. I think that alone is. I have always thought that concierge, that function in a hotel, in the hotel industry, I, I think you can make movies out of those stories that these people have to tell yeah i mean who knows the hotel and the and the venue and and the location better than the concierge and they were amazing they come across fantastic they were one of those just natural talents because they talk to people all day long yeah yeah and they know all the tricks they know what's going on they you know every single thing they they know the good places to go out to. They know right. how to move clients discreetly out of. <laughs> no, no, I. Think it was and, an yeah. awesome series. I yeah. think it it was brilliant. Yeah, if we, that, if, yeah. If we all could could look at the concierge of the organization that we're working for, I think that it's right. a good approach. Yeah, if you get catch the meaning of what it is, then and those are the people who really are most of the time really interesting because they have this natural talent of storytelling as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there again, we have the fortune 100, only 36% have an expert database fortune 500, 17%, the Inc 500, only 9%. These smaller, fast growing privately owned companies didn't fare very well. And then they haven't over the years. They've always been like really at the bottom of the list. Yeah. And it surprises me because these are the fastest growing companies in America. Mm-hmm. So they have to have great stories to tell because they're growing by leaps and bounds. Something's happening in that company. Yeah, and they, by, by definition, they should have a lot of stuff to be, you know, to exactly. tell. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they should want media attention because they are fast growing. They, they, they must be looking for new business. They should be wanting brand awareness. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't get it. What is the thing that you've, uh, how long have you been doing the study now? Five years. Yeah. What, what is, what are the general over five years? And when you look at the meta trends, what is something that comes back again and again, or something that is new that is popping up? <coughs> Excuse me. The embed codes is one that just hasn't moved. Yeah. And if you look over the five years from the other side, five years ago, nobody in the media was even talking about embed codes. But three years ago, they started to show interest. And the first time it showed up in from the media side was 
I think it was a very low number, like maybe 18 or 20 percent of the media was showing interest in embed codes. Mm -hmm. But then it jumped to like 38 percent, 60 percent, 89 percent, boom, just like that. Yeah. And it never moved on the PR side. Mm -hmm. So that's one. The one that has gone up a lot from the from the brand's point of view is connecting to to social content and and sharing, making the content shareable. A couple of years ago, that was not being done in the newsrooms pretty much at all. And that connecting to social content, that's one area where the smaller companies are actually doing way better than the bigger companies. So when you say connecting to social content, is that making making it possible to tweet, uh, post on Facebook, uh, share on LinkedIn? My So is that the share button on my press release? That's the sharing. Yeah. But the connecting is that you have... Either you're displaying your Twitter feed and your Facebook feed okay. right in your newsroom, mm-hmm. or there's at least a button, a very visible button saying, hey, guys, I have all this other stuff. Here's my Facebook. Here's my LinkedIn. Here's my videos in YouTube. Yeah. Here's my Instagram feed. Here's my Flickr feed. And don't make the journalists have to go and look for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. newsroom should be a digital content hub, one stop. Everything is there. One of the things I've been, and I don't know if it's, if that's still relevant and if you see something about that in your uh, research, I know it's available in your uh, in the solution that you provide to companies in PressFeed, but how is the RSS feed doing? Because for me, in 2003, that was like a discovery and I'm still very much a very strong believer in the power of RSS feeds and and I know it's not so much in front of everything it's more much more went into the back end of everything that we do but is that still something which is relevant or do most people still don't get RSS feeds Well most people still don't get it <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> and it's called RSS which means really simple syndication and yeah. don't we wish it was simple Yeah but no It is, you know, the people that use it the most? Journalists. Yeah, yeah. So maybe in the general public doesn't use uh, RSS readers anymore and Google closed down the Google reader. Yeah. But when they did that, the big backlash was from journalists. They were like, what the hell are you doing? This is how I do my job. Yeah. And so other dashboards like NetVibes, stepped into that gap and and the journalists are, are mainly using mm-hmm. things like that. But they they literally cannot do their job without being able to have feed feeds because they they have to look at so much content. Yeah and, and it's it's one of the things I mean <laughs> it all comes back. Uh, I'm preparing a course for PR people on um, on content curation you know, on how to do content curation. And it's, it's you know, that's exactly what a journalist is doing nowadays. It's looking at, right. at the whole forests and uh, finding that one tree that you're interested in. Uh, right. Or or even even worse, you know, it's looking at a whole 
uh, mountain of sand and uh, find one little pebble that you need. One little crane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, when I'm, you know, I was preparing the course and, and now I'm fiddling with it, and but it all comes down again on, you know, what is an RSS feed? How can you combine them? How can you filter them? How can you base keywords on those? And how can you republish that content automatically almost? So it does come back to that old technology, which is what, maybe 15, 20 years old now, right? For me, RSS feeds are like the blood vessels of the internet. Yeah. They, that's where all the content is running around. Mm-hmm. It's moving on these feeds and we don't see them, but it's just like in our bodies, if our circulation system wasn't working, we'd be in big trouble. Yeah. And yeah. nobody would be able to see anything what is a Twitter feed? What is the news feed in, in, in uh, Facebook? It's all feeds. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're used to it from that viewpoint. They just don't. And I'm pleased that the, the term RSS feed has gone away. It, shouldn't, it should just be a news feed. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, had, it had a PR problem in the beginning, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In in on your platform, uh, the you know the newsrooms that you provide to organizations, what what were the biggest changes over the last what maybe five years or since you you from you know what has happened? Has that changed drastically, or or are you still using the same framework? Or it has changed in some ways because when we launched seven years ago, it wasn't as visual as it is now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was more like what 90% of people's newsrooms look like, which is a a list of text, press release, little blurbs with a link. What, when we first made it, one of the reasons I built it was because I believe that pure people should have control of their news content and not have to wait for IT to load a press release. Hallelujah. Yeah. So it was a content management system in control of the PR department with feeds. That was the other thing, because I couldn't get anybody who was building newsrooms to put a bloody feed on it. (laughs) (laughs) I said it was back in like 2004 or 5 when she was still at uh, Forrester. Charlene Lee wrote a blog post that said, if you do nothing else with RSS, put it on your press releases. Yeah. that, come on, this is, you know, who, what more do you need? PR people do this. Anyway, so that was why I eventually partnered with the developer and we built it. But as time went by and we got into the, the social media press release and the multimedia, we then became the format. And that format has been user tested on hundreds and hundreds of journalists and bloggers. So we do believe that we have a really good layout because journalists like it and they find it easy to use. We've added, last year we added the big featured story, the expert database, mm-hmm. um, visuals with all the contacts so you can put pictures in. The, for the database you can put the videos in. These All the things that we've done over the years have actually come from requests from the media. That you find through doing the research and then implementing those things. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, we, we get feedback from the journalists all the time saying, why doesn't a newsroom have this? Why We need that. We need that. This is really important to us. And we go, oh, well, we better put the newsroom. Mm-hmm. And then now we're just, we are for the first time just starting to redevelop the whole platform 
so that it will be 100% compliant to Google's mobile responsive algorithm. Yeah, yeah, because that's another important aspect. It's the mobile responsiveness and, and all these things, eh? Yeah, yeah. It has always displayed fine on mobile, even on phones. So we're not unhappy with it the way that it is. But Google has now laid out some parameters that are slightly different. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit their parameters, then they're not going to like it. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, so we have to do that, yeah. So that's our next big evolution will be to redevelop to Google's new rules. Sally, to, to, uh, to close down, um, what would you tell? Because this is, I mean, most people listening to the podcast um, at least it's targeted, or, or let's say I'm, I'm making this for my PR colleagues in uh, in the industry and in-house PR professionals in uh, in Europe. What would you tell them if they would? What would be the the biggest tip that you would tell them about their newsroom? They they all have websites, they all have their press releases on there, but uh, and some of them in PDF. <laughs> but what, what would you? What would you? Your your biggest thing be like? You know, don't do this or do this immediately. What would it be? First one, which is, you know, this is another frightening thing for me. When I was teaching at the university level 20 years ago, and I hate to have to say that because <laughs> it gives a clue of how old I am, <laughs> journalists' biggest complaint about PR people was that there were no PR contacts in, the, in at that time, not wasn't online, but on a press release. It, the thought that you would send a press release to a journalist without a contact on it. It's like, here's my story. Please write about it. No, no, don't call me. And please don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So that still, unfortunately, is the number one complaint from journalists. Is it still today? It is still today. The number one complaint from journalists. When they go to a website, it's difficult to find the newsroom in many cases. Once they have found the newsroom, it's not always immediately visible that you who the PR contact is. And even on individual press releases, there's no PR contact. Now, you have to think about it from the long-term view. We know that press releases get indexed in search. I've had situations where a press release was found two or three years later by a journalist doing a search who's writing a story now. That press release is not really relevant to his story right now because it's an old press release, but it had enough in it to get the journalist to say, oh, this looks interesting. I want to talk to this company. Yeah. And there's no contact on that press release. Now the poor guy has to go and do a search for your brand And by the way, when, when you do a search for a brand, your newsroom should show up in, in that little block. You know how on search sometimes you get about and yeah, on a whole top. bunch. Yeah. yeah, so the newsroom should be there. And that's very rare. Yeah. Companies are not optimizing their news and their newsroom. So my first thing do would be make sure that there are real people PR contact, not info at PR dot whatever. You must put Sally, call Sally. Here's her cell phone. Yeah, yeah. I know that that seems creepy to some people, but if you're in PR, that's the game. Yeah, that's what you're doing. I mean, that's why you're paid for, right? But 
Make your newsroom really, really easy to find and easy to use. Do not make people register and make it visual. So the visual aspect, definitely, which comes out of your latest uh, research, which, again, I'll, I'll put a link to on, yeah. the, uh, on the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Visuals are really important. And if, if, if you don't know how to do it, I think that that should be the top of your training list for 2015. Send your whole PR team to learn how to, if you're not going to want to teach them to do something in depth as Photoshop, there are other things. You can use PicMonkey. You can use Canva. I love Canva. That's what I'm using. I mean, you know, everybody can be a designer today. And again, yes. if you know how to use a, a, a smartphone with a good camera and all these things, I mean, it's not... It's not rocket science, and uh, we should simply all get to it, I think, uh, especially after so many years of right. you pointing Re it out read with your research. Yeah. Read a book like The Art of iPhone Phonography. Yeah, yeah. You can take amazing pictures. You can take video on your tablet and edit it and have a, a video ready to go with your press release in under an hour. A good video. Yeah. It's not that hard. So that's something I would say PR people really, really need to do. Learn to make visuals and learn analytics. And read my book. I oh, have a book out? <laughs> you don't know about my book? I'm sorry, it's, I didn't catch that one. It's called Smart News. How to create branded content that gets found in search and shared on social media. Great stuff. I'll find that and link to it. And buy yeah. myself a copy and read it. I didn't know that. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, that was, uh, that was not on my radar. Okay, great stuff. Good. Okay. Good. Cool. Well, Sally, uh, I'm so happy we did this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a long time that we wanted to do this. And I know we were on the same line on this, but I can tell you it's not, it's not, it's not better in Europe <laughs> when we're talking <laughs> about these things. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, but uh, thanks to your research and the solutions that you provide, I think it's uh, it, we, you know some of us can take a shortcut. Um, thank you very much for being on the podcast show of uh, Wag the Dog, and I hope that one of these or maybe in 2015 we can meet face to face. That would be grand. And thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me. So there you go, everyone. As you can see, based on the research that Sally has been doing for what the last five years. There's still a lot of work to be done in our online presence and in our newsrooms. Now, um, Sally was so nice as to uh, tell me at the end of the recording that we did that you know, she, she could do something for the listeners of Wag the Dog FM. And uh, that's what I told you. You had to stay till the end to hear this. So uh, listen carefully. Sally has agreed to do a free evaluation of your current newsroom. Do the evaluation, document it, and then do a 30-minute call with you and go over the findings. Now, I don't know if you understand this, but Sally is a specialist in this field. Uh, normally, you know, she charges a lot of money for this. Just to do an, 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 an evaluation, she's asking normally uh, $500. So this is a value, a, a thing valued at $500. She will do a free evaluation of your current newsroom and then give you a call and discuss the findings for half an hour with you so that you can have a head start and, uh, and look at these things. So a nice deal that Sally is offering only to the listeners of this podcast. And... Um, 
turn up the volume because I'm going to give you this um, landing page URL only once. So if you want to profit from this free evaluation by Sally, you'll have to go to www.onlineprtraining.com slash newsroom. That is my website. I made a special landing page where you can register and then your information goes to Sally and she'll, she'll take uh, care of the evaluation and get in contact with you to discuss what she found. So I'll just repeat it once. It's www.onlineprtraining.com slash newsroom. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you enjoyed the podcast as well. And um, give a good review on iTunes, please. If you like the podcast, this is really important to me for the podcast. Go to iTunes, give us a review, please. That is uh, really nice of you. And um, again, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Looking forward to, uh, to talk to you again next week as from Monday. And until then, do the right thing. Keep the peace.